Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Rob Basham. I want to jump right in this morning. We're in our second week in our series, Encounters. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 7. You can grab a Bible and read there with me, or you can just go ahead and follow along and listen to me read and enjoy it that way. Uh, I'm going to be putting some artwork up on the screen for you to look at. And I hope that as you look at these artists' renderings of the story of the encounter that we're going to look at today, I hope it just sparks something new for you and makes this story come alive in a fresh way, maybe even sparks some emotion for you. So I'll be looking at Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. This is one of my favorite passages, and so I'm very excited to share it with you today. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered her home, when I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. In this series that we're talking through encounters, we are looking at these different experiences that people had with Jesus. And as we walk through this season of our lives, we also are longing for such encounters. And some of you have had those encounters as you have stayed safe in your homes over this past week. Some of you have experienced God. And as we've practiced social distancing, you've actually felt proximity to his voice and his spirit. Some of you have seen him provide in miraculous ways over the past week. Some of you have heard his voice through other people, through his word, through even dreams and visions. 
Some of you have experienced healing like we just heard in the story that Steve shared. While others of you in this past week, he's felt distant to you. You've longed for these encounters, but instead it's been a difficult week for you. He has felt silent to you. Maybe you were laid off this week. Maybe uh, you're dealing with some sickness this week, and any sickness right now has with it an extra level of fear. But you're holding on, and you're continuing and, and hoping for an experience like those we are looking at in this series. Maybe you're watching today, and you're actually watching, and you're quite skeptical. You're not really sure if these encounters still happen, and you're here, and today you're just kind of trying to check out who is this guy named Jesus who these people claim to have had these encounters with. Well, today, what I want to share with you is that whichever one of those groups you're in, you are eligible to have an encounter with Jesus. Today, we are looking at this passage, and much of this series actually revolves around the fact and the question, who gets to have encounters with Jesus? Who gets to have these encounters? Last week, we looked at Peter, an everyday fisherman. And we looked at the encounter that he had. Jesus sought him out. Jesus pursued him. And in the presence of living Christ, Paul or Peter realizes who he is. And that disruption, after a long night of fishing coming up empty, he engages the living Christ. He decides to go back out on the water and he has the greatest day of fishing he's ever had. And in that disruption, in that encounter, he turns. He recalibrates his life. And it becomes a fisher of people. And here in today's story, we have two more encounters of people meeting Jesus. The first is Simon, a religiously arrogant guy. He gets an audience with Jesus. And the other, the other person that we meet today is Mary of Bethany. Mary also gets an audience with Christ. Most scholars would say that she worked in an industry where she exchanged her body for money to survive. A career that many would think would lead to her exclusion from an encounter with God. And yet we see she too is welcome. You see, Jesus launches a movement with his revival. He, he, he just launches this, this campaign that is filled with encounter after encounter. It really starts in Luke 4 when he's back in his hometown and he's in the synagogue and he reads the scroll. And what he reads is a passage in Isaiah, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives to be released, that the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. After reading the scroll, Jesus makes clear that this freedom that he's talking about, this redemption, this forgiveness, this is coming not to the people who you would expect it to come to. You see, what we see here is that this road to redemption is getting a new lane. And that's where I want to focus today. That's, that's the big idea of the talk today. This road to redemption is getting a new lane. You see, this new movement that's happening is not just for the righteous law followers. It's not just for the people of Israel. It has now been open, expanded to everyone you see, after reading the scroll, Jesus continues on and he talks to the people in the synagogue and he tells two stories from the Old Testament. One is about the widows, the widows in Israel and how they were overlooked and how actually the Lord ministered not to the widows of, of Israel, but to a woman in Sidon, an area to the north, a foreigner. 
And then he tells a story about Naaman, who's a Syrian. And, and, and Naaman needed healing, as did many in Israel, but it was a Syrian that received the healing. And Jesus is announcing here that this new kingdom, this new initiation of what was happening, these encounters were available for all. They were coming to those who least were expecting it, to the outsiders, to the wrong people, to the foreigners. Suddenly the good news was available to all, regardless of your birthplace, your skin color, your level of righteousness, it was available to all. And so Jesus is answering the question, who gets to have encounters right here? And the answer is not who you expect. Mary's an example of one of these people who we don't expect to have an encounter with Jesus. She's part of this new lane on the road to redemption because with the coming of Jesus, the road was expanded. One of the things that I love most about living in Oregon is the lack of traffic. Having lived in New York and Boston and in, a, in the city of a man and Jordan, there's a lot of traffic. And I know some of you who are listening today in West Salem, you would argue and you'd say you have no idea how bad the bridge traffic is. I bless you with patience. But for me, like most things in life, when I, I, I turn it into a competition. And so when I do get stuck in traffic on the rare occasion, whether it's on I-5 or wherever, I turn it into a competition. Maybe you do this too, or maybe I'm just the weird guy, but I look at a car that's kind of near me and I say, by the time we're out of this mess and traffic starts to flow again, who's going to be in the first position? And I begin to jockey my way around and try to predict the lanes coming on, the lanes going off. And yes, I'm that annoying driver that bothers you while you're, while you're driving in the traffic jam. But you see, it's the same even at airport security. Oftentimes my family will go through and we'll get our passports checked and then we'll divide into group two groups because we've been studying these lines and we're going to try to guess which line is going to move the fastest and we see which line came out quickest. But with regards to the movement that Jesus is launching, let me take away the suspense for you. This new lane that has been created, it's the one you want to be in. This new lane is the lane of the kingdom of God going forth, the way of Jesus moving forward. It's the HOV lane. It's the fast pass at Disney. It's the lane that you want to be in. And from this story, I want to share with you who it seems gets access to this lane, who it seems gets access to this lane. First, this new lane is for the hungry, not the seemingly satisfied. This new lane is for the hungry, not the seemingly satisfied you see simon has jesus over to investigate him and and let me just pause here because he he's trying to figure out is this guy really a prophet is he who he really claims to be and there's nothing wrong with investigating who jesus is please many of you who are joining us today are probably in a similar deal you're watching here today and you're a bit skeptical you're watching checking out is there really anything to this experience with jesus Maybe the title encounter has got you gripped a little bit, so you're checking it out. Maybe you're watching just out of respect for somebody else in the room today. But if that's you, can I just say, I'm glad that you're here. And I want to encourage you to continue to investigate who this Jesus is. But can I also encourage you to move it beyond just an intellectual curiosity? Because oftentimes when Jesus encounters people, it moves beyond the intellect and it moves to the gut and the emotions. And you need to also pay attention to that. But I'm glad you're here. But here, Simon isn't just investigating. Simon is here to prove that this guy is not who he says he is. 
he's out to disprove this guy named Jesus. You see, Simon's pretty comfortable in life. He's pretty content where religion has him. The lane that he's in, he doesn't want to change. He's looking to disprove this rabbi, Jesus. He's looking to to go against this guy. He's not respecting Jesus because Jesus is not respecting the fact that things are this way. Jesus is bringing a disruption. We also see that Simon is not respecting the rabbi in the customary ways. He hasn't paused to wash his feet. He hasn't anointed his head with oil. And in a, in a culture where hospitality is a very important thing and a way to show high honor, he has not done that to Jesus. He has invited him to disprove who he is. We juxtapose that with Mary of Bethany. You see, Mary comes. She risks. She enters. She pursues. Mary is hungry. You see, it's her hunger that gets her to the presence. It's her hunger that allows her to act. It's her hunger that causes her to to risk. It's her hunger that gets her to the table to be fed. And church, my question for us today is, are we hungry? Are we hungry? You see, I believe that many of us have lost our hunger. We've lost our thirst to be in the presence of God. And can I encourage us to stop going after that which seemingly satisfies? You see, oftentimes we go after these things that give us this false feeling of being content, of being full. This is especially important in a season like this. In this season where we're at home, where are we putting our time? Where are we putting our attention? I personally am a person that has to accomplish. I'm a task guy. I love to have my list and check it off and and I feel good and it fills me up and I feel content when I've gotten things done. And already just in week one of this, this stay at home and stay safe, I've been frustrated. There have been projects that I haven't been able to complete because I don't have access to the tools or the materials that I need to complete them. And it's frustrating. For me, this, this is an idol of mine that has been just clearly shown to me even in this week. It's an idol that I wish would just be smashed, but instead it's just slowly being disassembled by God. And I don't like it. And I imagine that you're dealing with some similar things. And can I encourage you to pay attention to what it is, to the things that you're chasing after for that satisfaction? And as you deal with those, and as you bring those before God, I pray that he blesses you and that you fill that void with his presence. One way that I want to encourage you to experience his presence this week is to actually add a fast to your routine. Consider adding a fast to your routine this week. I'd be the first to say that I don't like being hungry. I like to graze. I graze all day, and and actually being here in the home, this is not a good thing. I'm not a big fan of fasting, but church, it is a powerful discipline. It is a powerful tool that helps remind us, that inspires this hunger within us, that causes us and sends us to, to his feet, that causes us to look upon his face. And so church, this week, as you engage, as you practice your pauses, as you look to to seek him, maybe even adding a fast of a meal or two, I bless you as you do that with the words of Isaiah 44. May they be your reality. The Lord says, I will pour out water to quench your thirst, to irrigate your parched fields. 
and I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. They will thrive like watered grass, like willows on a riverbank. May it be so. Church, the first thing we see is that this new lane is for the hungry, not the seemingly satisfied. Are you hungry? The second thing that we see here is that this new lane is for the self-aware and not the self-righteous. It's for the self-aware and not the self-righteous. Simon is religiously arrogant. He is self-righteous. I never met him, but I've met plenty of people like him, and I'm pretty sure he was a pretty smug guy. In his mind, he's in. He's done the work. He deserves to be in this position. It's only fair. He's comfortable in the lane that he wants to be in. And he's pretty sure that he's headed to where he wants to go. But he's blind. He thinks that his control, that his works, his righteousness is the fuel that will take him to where he wants to get. Not for Mary. She's aware that she can't get there on her own. She is aware of who she is. Maybe she has actually has an unfair advantage because of the life that she has lived. There's no way that she could be under a false pretense that she has some appearance to be good enough to be at the feet of the living God. But she is aware, aware of her own lack of holiness. As Steve shared last week, being in the presence often causes us that awareness. Presence exposes this gap between our sinfulness and his holiness it exposes this this just canyon between where we stand and where he is and it often leads us to repentance here's the thing church a great number of us are likely more similar to simon than we are to mary we're comfortable in our faith we've heard so many sermons we've sang so many songs and so we are confused we are no longer easily impressed We're cozy. We're actually a bit entitled. It takes a lot to get our attention. But the truth is that in our minds, though we haven't done anything to disqualify us, we are separated. The truth is that the factors, the steps, the actions that we think might get us there, get us to his presence, get us to where we want to be, likely won't get us to Christ's feet. Church, this is an entitlement. This is a thinking that I've done enough. In some way, I have earned a place. It waters down the amazing grace that we love to sing about. This gap between us and a holy God is there, but it's his sacrifice, the free gift of grace that closes that gap. Not our actions, not our trying to be good enough. There is no scale for this. There is only grace. In church, that's the good news. So where does self-realization of the size of that gap need to be recognized in our own lives so that we, like Mary, can be overwhelmed by a forgiving love that ends our shame? Let me give you a way that I think you could practice this this week in your house. It's this. Allow yourself to be arrested by his presence. You see, in this week and probably the coming weeks, we're going to feel like we're under house arrest. But can I encourage you? What I mean by this is that we have the opportunity to turn ourselves in. Would you turn yourselves in to God and say, look, I know I'm a sinner and I'm in need of your grace. 
You see, that's the posture that Mary had here. That was the starting place. That's where she received his presence that comes with amazing grace. You see, what was actually arrested was a death that we rightly deserve. And so turn yourself in this week. See, this new lane is for the hungry, not the seemingly satisfied. It's for the self-aware, not the self-righteous. And the third and final thing here, this new lane is for the grateful, not the entitled. This new lane is for the grateful, not the entitled. A year ago, Robert Smith, a billionaire, gave an extravagant gift to a graduating class at Morehouse College. It's a school that he attended, and he's speaking at their commencement when he makes this announcement. Check out this video, and as you look at this video, I want you to notice the responses of the faculty on stage. Notice the responses of the students in the crowd. Look at their extravagant response. On behalf of the eight generations of my family who have been in this country, we're going to put a little fuel in your bus. Now, I've got the alumni over there, and this is a challenge to you, alumni. This is my class, 2019. And my family is making a grant to eliminate their student loans. an incredible video church this new lane is for the grateful not the entitled i love that video because i love to see just the extravagant response of the students of the faculty they can't get the smiles off their face the chance of nvp it's a deserving response for the extravagant gift that they've received and same is true for us this new lane is for the grateful and not the entitled Please understand this, Mary isn't forgiven because of her extravagant action towards Jesus. Her actions flow from the realization that she has been forgiven of all her sins. Her response is, is to the fact that the shame is gone. It has been removed. She has encountered the Son of God. Her actions are not an attempt at earning grace her actions are an overwhelming response to redemption and grace she's got the fast pass she's in the right lane she has encountered the richness of forgiveness the richness of redemption when we see mary respond to god's grace with this extravagance her gratitude has overwhelmed her and it has caused her to be careless she pours out this expensive perfume it makes no sense economically it has caused her to go against cultural norms and go into the home of a Pharisee who she knows will reject her. She's incredibly grateful. And yet we see Simon and he's not. Simon did not have this response in the presence of Jesus. He simply is unimpressed. He feels he deserves to be at that table. He was knowledgeable. He had studied the scriptures. He had paid for the food that would be being served at this meal. He had done his time. He expected to be part of this exclusive club. He's entitled. But the road to redemption is not for the entitled. It's for the grateful. 
I love the way the theologian N.T. Wright puts it. He says, the Pharisee has never come to terms with the depths of his own heart. And so he doesn't appreciate God's generous love when it sits in person at his own table. For Luke, true faith is what happens when someone looks at Jesus and discovers God's forgiveness. And the sign and proof of this faith is love. The proof of getting it is love. The proof that we have understood and been overwhelmed by the salvation, by all that Christ has done is love. A love that flows from this grace received. A love that flows from redemption because of the forgiveness of sins. One of my favorite passages is 1 Peter 3.18. I love the richness of it. It says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God, to close that gap. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. Church, he's closed that gap for us. He has offered us a gift that is way better than the paying off of any college debt. And so church, when we encounter Jesus, are we overwhelmed like Mary? Or are we unimpressed like Simon the Pharisee? Do we dance like no one is watching like David? Or do we look judgingly with contempt on those who do like Michael from the window? This week, can I encourage you to take a posture of being overwhelmed? One way that I want to encourage you to do this is to engage corporately with many around our city who will be taking communion together on Wednesday night. We'll be taking communion in our homes, and my prayer is that you will sit in the mystery and the richness of the redemption through Christ's body and blood. We'll be doing this in our homes April 1st, this Wednesday at 6 p.m. Here's what that might look like for you. Gathering with whoever you're on house arrest with, Getting together, it doesn't have to be overly complicated. Simply get the bread, get the juice or the wine, come together. Maybe it's, it's not even going to be actually the elements of juice and, and wine or bread. Maybe it's that you're actually just going to have a full meal together. But during that time, would you sit? Would you take a posture of gratefulness for all that Christ has done? Maybe open up scripture and, and look at the first Peter three verse that I've just read to you. Maybe take a look at Luke 22 and go through the formal steps of communion and look at the words of Christ as he offers his body and his blood. But let this reality, let, let the gift that he has given us sink in. Sit in, in, in who we are. As you sit in his presence, realize how extravagant the gift is church this road to redemption has a new lane it's the good news that we see here in this story and so this week would you allow yourself to be overwhelmed by his love by his forgiveness and by the redemption that we have access to let's pray lord i uh, i bless those who are joining us today who are watching lord i bless them with your presence. May it be overwhelming. Lord, I bless those who are on a, a journey 
who are searching today, Lord, would you reveal yourself to them? As they're investigating you, would you make yourself known to them in Jesus' name? Lord, we thank you for the blood that you shed so that we have access. We thank you for closing that gap. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.